And uh, Nehemiah chapter 4 tonight, and I appreciate Brother Shannon, of course, Sister Stacy. We've known them for, I was thinking, Brother Shannon, since either 99 or even maybe before that, and, uh, and probably one of the dearest friends that I have, and uh, his ministry is very worthy of support. And I got to be down there on the Saturday. We laid hands on those Bibles and prayed, and God fell in that place. And uh, great to have a part of the Word of God. And uh, thank God for that Word. I'm glad, uh, hallelujah, that I heard a King James Bible preacher, amen, and uh, heard the truth of the Bible. Nehemiah, uh, I think I said four, but chapter six, there are some simple truths in the Bible, and I guess I can find them better than most because I'm simple, amen. But they are just as important as uh, the deeper truths. And so I want to give you what the good Lord has given me. As I said this morning, before I even left to go on the trip, he told me what I'd be preaching this morning and tonight. And I want to honor him in doing that. And we really enjoyed the trip and got a bunch of thank you cards from all of you. And we're very grateful for that. We thank God for the Lord moving us here and putting us in the church. And we don't get to come much because we are on the road but we're proud to represent the Bible Baptist Church and thank God for our pastor and uh, probably one of the most Bible-preaching, well-balanced pastors that I know. And I'm not just saying that, but I believe that and I thank God for the preacher and thank God for his testimony, amen? Nehemiah chapter six and one verse. I'll give you what the good Lord has given me. He said in verse three, and I sent messengers unto them saying, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? I want to preach on that simple thought tonight that it's a great work. You could take that word great and look at it in two ways. One, great in that there is a lot to do and there is a lot to do. There's a lot to the work of God. But I really believe that Nehemiah was saying, thank God, it's just a great work. It is great to be a part of the work of God. One thing that I appreciate about the Bible Baptist Church is we believe in missions. Our pastor directs us in giving to missions. I don't know how many thousands of dollars a year that goes into the work of God. I like that. I like to be a part of a church that is spreading the gospel. Amen. That is what we are here to do. I can't go to Australia, but I can help a fella get there. I can't go to Uganda, but I can help get a Bible over there that somebody might read it and one day we get to heaven and the Lord say that fella got a hold of a Bible that you helped give money to. Amen. Thank God for the work of God. It's a great work. I'd rather be an old time preacher than anything I know. I'm not ashamed of what I am. They want us to be ashamed of being an old fashioned independent Baptist. I'm not ashamed of that. I thank God tonight I'm a part of the work of God. It's a great thing to me. Hey, hey, I'm not going to let that crowd intimidate me and try to make me feel like I am not important. I'm not important, but God's work is. Amen. Amen. It's a great work. I think there's three things that constitute a work, Brother Shannon, that makes it a work of God. Number one, a man's going to have to have a burden for the work. 
Nehemiah in chapter one, he went out and he saw that the gates were burned down and the walls were torn down. The Bible said he wept and he fasted. Boy, that's something we don't do anymore. I'm telling on myself, it's been a while since I fasted and pushed away from the table. God help us all, amen. But he got a burden for the work. I believe it's very evident that our pastor has a burden for the work of God. And I thank God for that. I know a man who in 20 years has pastored four churches and the one he's at now He'd only been there eight months and put his name somewhere else. Uh, you know what that is? That's a fella that don't have a burden for the work that God gave him. Uh, some of you young preachers, you may be pastors someday and you may go to church uh, and it may be small and you feel like nothing's going on. If you'll stay with God, uh, God will bless you and bless the work uh, because the work of God uh, is a great work. It's not who, uh, it's not uh, uh, those are the big eyes and little U's. Uh, we're all the same, amen. Uh, it doesn't matter who they are. Uh, we may have favorite preachers and things like that, but everybody is a part of the work of God. He must have a, a burden. Can I say number two, he must have boldness. He said in verse three, chapter, or verse two, uh, there in chapter six, old Sam Ballot said, won't you come down uh, to the land of Ono. And he said, oh no, I, I'm not coming, amen. Thank God for a man of God that has boldness. I know maybe some of you uh, thought might have been a little strong last Sunday morning uh, when the preacher preached, uh, but I thank God that he's got enough boldness to stand for the truth uh, and preach to your family and preach to my family. Uh, you know why your children uh, turn out right? Partly, sure, you helped raise them. Uh, you raised them, but thank God the man of God preached to them uh, week after week after week on how to live and take that King James Bible had enough boldness to preach the truth, amen. I didn't get offended on anything he said. I say hallelujah to it and thank God for a preacher that's got a backbone like a saw log ain't afraid of preaching the Bible, amen. They're gonna tell us there's a day, as you're talking about this morning, Sunday's go. The wackos that are out there, they're gonna tell us we can't say it. By the grace of God, we're gonna say it, amen. Can I say number three that you gotta have a man with a Bible. You know what? <laughs> I'm not against uh, having activities. We had a great time uh, this week. We had fun when we got wore out, amen. But you know what? We had preaching. We had singing. You see, what builds a church is Bible preaching. You're not going to build a church on swallowing goldfish. Uh, the fellow that I followed when I pastored in Texas, he told me to get so many in Sunday school that he'd ride a donkey to church. And so when I came, I said, the donkey left town. <laughs> uh, praise God. Uh, we're not riding donkeys to church. Amen. Uh, you know what we're gonna do? Uh, the preacher's gonna do? He's gonna take that Bible Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday and preach the word of God. It takes Bible preaching week in and week out, month in and month out, that'll build a church, amen. When they build them around their little gimmicks and things like that, they fall apart. I've always said if you... Win them with a hot dog, you'll lose them on a hamburger, amen. 
I'm not against giving kids things on buses. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying if that's your goal and that's your way of building a church, you're not going to build much of one. Amen? Amen. I want to look at four things and then we'll go eat because I'm hungry. Amen. Uh, number one, we find that Nehemiah said it's a great work uh, because of prayer. You'll find in chapter one, verse 11, chapter two, and verse 20, that Nehemiah prayed about some things. He prayed about three things. Number one, that God would prosper the work of God. I'm telling you, at best we are flesh. At best we can only do what we can. There's gotta be a divine element uh, in the work of God. I'm uh, telling you, uh, it's all right to pray that God would bless the church physically and add membership to it. It's all right to pray uh, that God would bless the church financially and add finances to it. But everybody in this building tonight ought to pray every day of your life that God would bless Bible Baptist Church spiritually, that he uh, would work among us. Uh, the Bible said, uh, unless the Lord build the house, they that labor, uh, they labor in vain. I tell you what we do, uh, uh, we get in a prayer closet and we pray and we study, but I'm telling you what makes all the difference in the world is when you begin to preach the holy word of God, it's when the Holy Ghost uh, shows up and he begins to breathe uh, in the congregation when he begins to walk up and down of the aisles it makes all the difference in the world uh, brother Biddle told brother Steve Griffith years ago he said the Holy Ghost uh, can do more in five minutes than you can a whole year worth of preaching amen it takes God uh, and all of us ought to be praying every day that God would bless Bible Baptist Church it needs the breath of God. I was somewhere not too long ago on a Wednesday night and they had a young boy out of college preach. It was all right. There's some content, but he wouldn't know the Holy Ghost if he met him out in the middle of the road. You know why? Because that's what they're producing. Mechanical. He knew when to say this and he knew how to say that. But I'm telling you, old-fashioned preaching is far from his vocabulary. Do you hear me now? I like it as educated as you can get it. My mind's not that way, hallelujah. But you know what? I do study, of course, and I read other men, and I study the Bible. But I'm telling you, boys, more than anything you need, you need a breath of God from another world. You need a Holy Ghost to breathe on you. I pray every day of my life, give me a double portion of Elijah's spirit. I don't care what people think about my intelligence, but I want people to leave and say, God of heaven, help me praise God. God done something for me. That's what I care about. I don't care about who knows my name, Brother Shannon. What I care about is God Almighty, but breathe on me. And while I'm delivering the word, that he might help his children. Amen. Amen. He prayed that God would prosper the work of God. I wonder how many days a week Bible Baptist Church that we pray that. Number two, we may not like this, but he prayed that God would punish those trying to hinder the work of God. You'll find that in chapter four. You know, 
I'm going to tell you something about the Lord. He's going to do what he's going to do. And brother Dan, if we get in his way, you know what he'll do? He'll bulldoze over us. He's going to accomplish his work. He's going to accomplish his will. Many years ago in the late 90s, I lived in Mississippi. And there was a church just over in Alabama. And Brother Shannon, this fella, he'd go to camp meet maybe twice a year. He'd leave on Sunday night and always asked me to fill in. So one year I went and preached back, I guess, mid-90s. And a, a fella came up to me. And he said, uh, just let you know, we're going to vote out the preacher. He's not doing his job. Now, what kind of idiot's going to tell me that and I'm not going to tell the preacher? You know what I'm saying? So he said, he said that but we done had a deacon's meeting and we've done met, we're going to throw him out. I said, is that right? And so I went to the head deacon and I said, I said, brother so-and-so, are y'all throwing out the pastor? He said, what are you talking about? I said, oh, brother so-and-so told me y'all done had a meeting. He said, that's a lie. We hadn't had no meeting. Well, you know what happened? That fella got mad because I stopped his plan. What about that? So two years later, I go back and preach. And, but Jason, you know how I call out people's name? I just act like well, that nothing happened. And I called out, he stood up. And he said, you can stop this shenanigans right now. And man, it just killed the service. I, I just dismissed him. So we're outside shaking hands. And that clown, he's coming and calling on the pastor to fight. And, and that's one time I probably could have whooped him and got forgiveness later. Amen? Uh, but anyway, uh, he's telling the pastor, come on. If you don't like it, come on. Let's do something about it. I wish he would have. Hey, praise God, I'd have helped him. Amen? He was about three more feet taller than I was, but I'd have got a, a bat or something and whooped him in Jesus' name. Amen? But the truth of the matter is uh, that that fella was a troublemaker. Well, the pastor called me and said, well... That meeting we had scheduled, they feel like it's best you not come because that fellow don't like you. What about that? Years passed, like 15. He calls me. He said, I want you to come. Brother so-and-so's dead. He said, you know what he did? He tried to throw me out again. God had enough of it. This time he met with all the deacons except the head deacon who didn't know anything about the first one because he knew he wouldn't vote against the preacher. Preacher was doing his job. He's a good brother. But that man done went and got with those deacons and had a meeting and the pastor didn't know about it. But you know how the Lord always works things out? So what he did, a lady called the preacher while he was away in the camp meeting, said, what'd y'all meet about last night? He said, oh, we met, did we? He didn't know that they met last night. But the deacons had met without him and without the head deacon, you see. And they had a meeting. So he found it out. He come home. He confronted them. A week later, that man stuck his hand in a hay baler. And it chewed it all up. And they put him in a hospital. And it gave him such strong antibiotics. And I don't know how all this works. But somehow, it made his immune system. And he caught a bacteria in his body. He didn't have enough God about him to ask the preacher to forgive him. But he did have enough God because he knew he was dying. He said, would you preach my funeral? You listen to me? About four months after that, one of the other deacons that was trying to throw him out come down with cancer and he died. And about six months after that, another one died. 
There's only one left, and he's walking very softly. You understand what I'm saying? Because uh, uh, three of them have already been knocked out, and he knows he's number four. You know what they did? They messed with the work of God, and God said, I've had enough of that. You better be careful trying to hinder the work of God because God will remove you. Amen. He'll bulldoze over you. He said, punish those who try to hinder. Then he prayed, number three, for protection. The Bible said, Brother Shannon, they had a weapon in one hand and a tool in the other. Nowhere is it recorded that they ever had to use that weapon because he prayed that God would protect him, and he did. Bible Baptists, listen to me tonight. We better pray more than ever that God would protect this church. One thing that's a little negative when we put all of our messages on social media, somebody can take what we say, take it out of context. Now they can even make fake videos and take part of it out and put this over here and make us say things that we didn't say. And then uh, you gotta go prove it in a court of law. I'm telling you, we better pray every day that God, Brother Jason, every day that God would protect the work of God. I don't know about you, but I like it around here. And thank God I want it to continue. The devil hates this place. He hates the move of God. He hates the work of God. He hates that two young people got saved and washed in the blood. He hates it. He'll fight every chance that he gets. We better pray that God protect the work of God. Number two, not only prayer makes it great, but its purpose makes it great. You know, he said in verse 14 of chapter four, fight for your wives. Fight for your children. You know what, Brother Casey, you know what the purpose of God's work is? It's to reach your family. Your treasure, the only treasure you can take to heaven with you, Brother Shannon, is your family. That is it. I, I thought about Brother Gilbert that, that your family is complete. I thought about Brother Lamar, all three of his children saved. What a blessing. My family circle's already broken. I've got a brother, as far as I know, that died and went to a devil's hell. Uh, my family circle has already, if your family circles together and your children have been washed in the blood, you ought to take a lap around the house of God and you ought to get up every morning and say, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. I'm telling you, there's no greater treasure you can take with you but your family, Amen. Nehemiah said, fight for your children. We're not fighting for our children today. He said, fight for your wives. But it's not only to reach our family, but it's to reach our future. He said, fight for your homes. That's your heritage. You know what? Church is not just about tonight. But Stephen, it's about 20 years from now that your daughters, when they got their family, that there's still a place on the side of the road where a man of God is thundering and he's preaching that there is a, a heaven to gain and a hell to shine, that thank God they still go down the house of God. They can bring their little old children. Hey, thank God. Hey, Ashton one day can still come with a little old family of his own and Bible Baptist Church is still standing on the side of the road and thank God a preacher will get up with a King James Bible and say, thus saith the Lord, amen. Yeah. Brother Goldsby, you know what? Somebody blazed the trail before us. 
but I want to blaze it before these young men. I'm glad when I got picked up by old brother Dane on a little church van, they hauled me across town from the east side to the west side. I'm glad that somebody had tithed and kept the lights on. I'm glad that there was a preacher that got up with a King James Bible and told me that Jesus loved me that I had somebody to trust that would change my life. I'm glad, thank God, uh, that somebody blazed the trail. You know what? Uh, it's not just about tonight, Brother Sean, but it's about down the road. Uh, uh, we need to blaze the trail for those behind us. Uh, you think, why should I continue? Because there's another generation, and God knows we need uh, another generation uh, to raise up, uh, get full of the Holy Ghost, uh, get full of the Bible and start living for Jesus and start loving Jesus and put their phones down and their computers down and the video games down for a while and get in the Bible and get in the closet and get God on their life. Amen. I can remember going to youth camp. I remember I was 16 years old. Went down to Opelika, Brother Shannon. And I remember I believe it was in 1981. God moved in that, that year. And I remember God beginning to speak to me. And God so moved that year that the activities after service we didn't want to go do. Instead, we all gathered around the piano. We cried and testified and shouted and stayed with God. I'm telling you, that helped change my life. Oh, thank God. Hey, that's been a few days ago. And Brother Danny, guess what? If the Lord don't come in the next 15 years, we're gonna need another generation, praise God, that has that same desire to serve God and live for Jesus. I'm glad that not everybody goes away. I'm glad that some have decided to raise their family in the house of God. Thank God for that, amen. It's about our future, amen. What makes it great is its purpose. Can I say number three, what makes it great is the perseverance of the saints of God. You know what I appreciate? I appreciate old gray-haired saints of God that come into the house of God. They're wore out. Some have had strokes and some have had different problems, but they still come to church. This younger generation needs to get a hold of that. They make excuses to stay home and that older generation made excuses to go to the house of God. Thank God for the perseverance of the saints. They've been down to the funeral home. They've been by the hospital bedside. But you know what they did? They just kept going week after week. Brother, brother lad, they went a week after week, a month after month, year after year. They didn't think about staying home because their toe hurt. They didn't think about staying home because somebody dropped by. They said it's time to go to church, amen. And thank God we need another generation that's like that, uh, that perseveres uh, and marches on. Uh, it'll be worth it. Uh, uh, thank God there's a payday, a uh, someday uh, when we get home uh, and we stay faithful and we stay with God uh, and we stay to the end. Amen. My dad wanted a song sung and Brother Dave Terry sang it for us at the funeral. I want to die on the battlefield. 
Brother Dave, he got to do that. The last time I was with him in church, me and Brother Gravely and my dad went down to hear the preacher preach at Brother Isaac John's. We sat together on the front pew and it got on good and we stood up and shouted together. That's a great memory I'll have for the rest of my life, Brother Steve, that me and my dad, he got to die on the battlefield. I thought it was so, uh, how they took us through the Chickamauga battlefield to go to uh, there the National Cemetery in Chattanooga. He got to die serving God. What a privilege that is uh, to stay faithful, praise God. The perseverance of the saints. Can I say that they persevered in spite of their self? The Bible said, Brother Shannon, that they were weary. Sometimes you get weary. You get weary in well-doing. Sometimes you don't think anything's happening. Sometimes I go preach a revival. Nobody comes to the altar. It seems like nobody cares. And Brother Steve, you think, what, what am I doing here? But then one person will come up and say, God, help me tonight. Say, God, use you to change my life. Are you listening to me? You, you, sometimes you get weary. But they were weary, but they persevered. The Bible said, number two, that they had fear, but they persevered in spite of themselves. They persevered tonight. Can I say, number two, in spite of Satan, in spite of the devil. Chapter four, chapter five, chapter six is three of the greatest tools the devil has tonight. Chapter four, he tried to bring discouragement. You know what the devil loves to do? Get you discouraged. He tries to get you to think on the negative things all the time. If you got bad health, he tries to get you to think about how bad you're hurting and what's going on in your life all the time. If you got financial trouble, he tries to remind you of that all the time. If you got family trouble, he tries to remind you of that all the time. He's a sorry rascal. And he will, if you're not careful, he'll discourage you. If you're honest tonight, everybody in this building that's saved has been discouraged. But you can't stay there. Chapter 5, he tried to bring division. Boy, the devil loves to bring division. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to do what? Dwell together in unity. I probably told this, but I'm tell it again. When I was pastoring in Texas, there's a dear man of God that was pastoring about 40 miles from me. He was in his 70s. And he told this lady in the church, he said, now sis, he said, homecoming Sunday. I want you to make me that apple pie I like so much. She said, yes, sir, preacher. He walks off and the daughter steps up. She said, don't you make that for daddy. He don't need it. Now, I understand her concern. That's her daddy. But the man of God done gave an order for her to make an apple pie. You know how, what I figure? I figure if you get 70 some years old, praise God, you get all the apple pie you want to. Hallelujah. I know I will. Amen. Huh. What that woman should have done is said, you know, daddy really don't need that, but the man of God told you to do it. But instead, Sunday, she brings the apple pie. She jumps that woman and they have a big fuss and fight and 30 people walked out. 30 people left the church over an apple pie. That apple pie didn't bother him near as much as 30 people leaving the church. 
I understand the concern of a daughter. I can understand that. But she should have, should have kept her mouth shut. But instead, instead, she caused 30 people to walk out the door. You see, the devil will bring division. But I really don't think we have much problem in the first two. But I think we have the more problem in chapter 6. In chapter 6, Brother Danny, he brings distraction. Distract us from building the wall. Probably don't get us discouraged too bad. Don't bring division in. But he tries to get us distracted from what we're supposed to be doing. You know how he does that? He does it with people. Get your mind on somebody else. You get your mind on what someone else is doing. You know what? You remember when Jesus, after he'd been, he had risen, and he said to Simon Peter, and Peter said, and he's giving him instruction, and Peter said, what about John? Brother Boltner years ago, we was talking about him yesterday. He preached a message on what about John? And the Lord said, if I want him to tarry till I come, what's that your business? And so Peter went and told like the average Baptist preacher did and said, boys, John's gonna live forever. That ain't what the Lord said. He said, if I want him to, what is that to you? A lot of time we get watching other people and if we're not careful, that'll discourage us. People will fail you. People will let you down. If you follow me around, you're gonna find my faults and failures and if I follow you around, I'm gonna find yours too, amen. Amen. You see, that just happens. That's life. We get distracted sometimes by problems. We get distracted sometimes by pressure. We get distracted sometimes by pleasure. There's a man, and I don't know his name. Brother Matt knows the individual. Several years ago. And he would drive over an hour, come hear me preach anywhere. He came to his church when Brother Shannon was pastor in the Lionville. When I'd be preaching there. But the man fell in love with a softball game. He started playing for his company. Then he found another company. Then he found a church because his church didn't have a, a team, so he found one that did. And he started missing Wednesday night, started missing Sunday. And then pretty soon he's missing church. And it wasn't long he lost his family over a stupid ball game. Lost his family over a hobby. You know what the devil's really good at? Getting you distracted from building the wall. Now, I know every man in here Got a family, he's got a supply for them. He's got to work. That's just life. But don't get so distracted from what we're supposed to be doing. God didn't leave us here for no other reason but to do the work of God. And it is so easy. I've done it before. I've been distracted. The devil sometimes will get you distracted by trying to keep up with the Joneses. Amen. Keep up, Brother Tim. But that, that's just the way that the devil works and you'll get distracted. But you know what? It don't matter what anybody else has. Thank God for what you have, amen. You know, this is all temporary anyway. You know that, right? It's all gonna fade away. But what's on the other side? Thank God what we lay up over yonder is gonna be there forever. Investing in Bibles. There's a fellow, his name is David Eden. He was a member out of Tabernacle where I went to Bible college. And he went to, to Africa. And he can't come back and tell you great stories of people that got saved. But you know what he did? He's a brilliant man. And but Thomas had set out there in them deserts in a hundred and some degree heat in those tents. 
And he would take the Bible and take their language and give them a Bible. It would take him years, but he'd give them a Bible. Over 40 years, he's given four different groups of people a Bible to read. What about that? He left that group of people in that village, that language, a Bible in their hand. One lady came to him and she found out who he was. She said, before I got a Bible in my own language, I used to worship so many gods, but now I only worship one, (laughs) the God of heaven, because of a man who said, you know what, I'm not gonna get distracted from doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Not everybody does the same, but everybody's got something to do. What are you doing today? What what kind of work for God are you doing? I, I know you're faithful and thank God for that, but it's more than just coming to church. If you can sing in a choir, do you sing in a choir? What, what, what are you doing? What kind of work are you doing for God? When we take up money for Bibles, when we take up money for Jubilee, do you help in that? Do you get involved in the work of God? I'm telling you, it's a great work. There's no greater work tonight than the work of God. When God, Brother Thomas, began to deal with me about preaching, it blew my mind that God wanted my lunch. He wanted what I had to offer. I'm not an orator, I'm nobody special. But I said, Lord, if you want what I have, you're welcome to it. I remember climbing up the stairs in my daddy's home, 18 year old boy and said, Lord, here I am. Brother Shannon, I've dropped the ball many times down through the years. But man, it's been a great life of giving God our life. 